You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsmen of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsmen. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> hey, I am glad to have a group of houndsmen on this podcast that have you guys have done something that is pretty cool for the hound hunting community all three of you work for osg the outdoor sportsman's group which also has game and fish magazine but also the legendary peterson's hunting so we got brad fitzpatrick and adam hagenstaller and hey, joe you got Fer- it man and joe farinato all in the house the osg wild bunch and you guys the reason you guys are on here we're going to talk about this but uh how you guys doing man the reason you're on here is because that awesome publication you just you guys look like you're worn out and tired right now from doing all that work 
it was I'm probably the most. <laughs> Joe, Joe did more work on it than I did. Maybe I, I just sat back and kind of had fun and watched it come together. It was a fun book to put together for sure. Yeah. So I'm just going to go around the room here so people can put some voices to names. We're going to uh, go around here and have everybody introduce themselves and kind of tell everybody where you're from in the country and what your um, experience is with hounds. I think that'd be the easiest way. Brad, go ahead, man. Since we well, can't see your face, we're definitely going to have to figure out what your voice sounds like so we know when you're talking. You just want to make sure I'm not taking a nap, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, uh, so my name is Brad Fitzpatrick, and I'm a freelance writer. I work primarily for OSG, Outdoor Sportsman's Group. I uh, work with both these gentlemen that are here with us, their editors, and I work, I've worked with both of them. Um, I've been wanting to do – I mean, I, this magazine, I feel like, has been in the works for me for 30 years. I've run dogs for 30 years, grew up beagling. Uh, grew up coon hunting. Uh, since then, I've had an opportunity to write for Outdoor Magazine, so I have uh, I've gotten to chase bears with hounds and other animals, uh, leopards in Africa. So, um, still run beagles, still have beagles, still run them here on the family farm, still run them on public land here in Southern Ohio. So, um, that's that's my background with hounds. But uh, cool, I know these other guys have totally different experiences too. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, what's your, what's your story, man? Where are you from and what's your story with hounds? Well, I, uh, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, spent quite a bit of time in Virginia, um, and then came back to Pennsylvania about five years ago, luckily back to my home state. But, uh, when I was a kid, little kid, my grandfather had coon hounds and, uh, you know, was involved with the dogs then, but, I, but more from, uh, you know, just, I saw him around, you know, I was too young really to go run around the woods at night with my grandpa, or at least according to my mom, I was too young. Uh, so I never really got a chance to hunt with him. Uh, but I've always been interested in hounds and about, I guess it was five or six years ago. Um, I bought a dog for, of all things, believe it or not, to hunt squirrels with. Yeah. Uh, I just, I wanted, I wanted to get into the, the, the hound game and squirrels are readily available. And I had done some some squirrel dogging with feists and curs uh, before that, but um, my wife didn't really like the way um, those dogs looked when they were puppies. But she fell in love with the <laughs> whole passel of hound dog pups. So I ended up with a with an English Walker Hound Gus, and I've been running him now for about five years after squirrel. So that's uh, that's where most of my hound hunting is is involved in. Yeah, what's your job at what's your job at OSG? So I primarily work on a game and fish title as editorial director, but the cool thing about Outdoor Sportsman Group is uh, they they give us the opportunity to kind of explore these niches within our within the hunting and fishing areas. And hound hunting, as you know, it has its own culture and its its own following and its own gear and its own methods and and things like that. So Joe and Brad and I decided, man, we we really need to do a magazine on this subject and and here we are we got it done yeah and it is beautiful it's a beautiful magazine you guys sent me a copy of it over thumb through it if i'm not mistaken is what's around 118 pages yeah full, 120 if you count cover yep yeah full cover good good stories a lot of good content and it, it kind of we'll get into that let's move on to joe joe farinato Yes, sir. So I'm uh, I'm the managing editor over at Peterson's Hunting, but like Brad said, or uh, Adam said, 
OSG gives us these opportunities to explore these niche categories and, you know, create publications about them and, you know, explore something that we're passionate about. So we're pretty fortunate to be able to, you know, explore these other facets of the industry and write stories that we like and pursue passions that, you know, live in, live in us as well. And I really got into hound hunting uh, probably about five years ago uh, when my wife's friend was, was dating a houndsman. And uh, it was something that I always wanted to pursue, but never really had the opportunity. Uh, my family always had bird dogs. We were a big upland and waterfowl family. And I just love working with dogs. And first time he invited me out to go look for lion tracks in Montana, I was just hooked. And, you know, I love the, the aspect of working with dogs, love watching them run, watching them work those animals and figuring out a track. And then just the the never knowing, you know, you, you, you never know what's going to happen when you let those dogs loose on a trail. So right. ever since that first time, I, I've just been hooked. And, you know, I've, any chance I can get in the field behind hounds, I'm, I'm on it. So so it's become a, a huge passion for me. So what you're saying is there was actually a dinner date that your wife set up with one of her girlfriends. And it actually worked out where the guy that was on the other side of the table from you you actually got along with him and and didn't be weren't like man that guy's a dork i'm never going back to <laughs> never again huh never again no it, it, that's exactly how it was you know my wife came <laughs> in she's like my friend's dating this new guy you and know you're like, like oh, he's a hunter you might like him i'm like oh yeah oh, great yeah. i'm gonna like him yeah and he's one of my best friends to this day <laughs> he actually ended up he actually ended up being in our wedding like that's how oh, close man. We got. so that's cool so it, it worked out yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, it's one of those deals, man. You never know what you're going to get. It's like back when I was working, you know, when my wife said, oh, yeah, you'll get along fine with him. He's a hunter. Of course, I was a conservation officer and I knew what that was going to turn into. It was going to turn into a million questions about the law and everything else. It's like, dude, why don't you meet me for lunch sometime when I'm working? You know, like one exactly. of those deals. It's just Oh, you work for Peterson's hunting. Well, I, let me tell you this story about this hunt that I was on one time, you know? Yeah. Do you want, do you want to put a story in the magazine about it? I think exactly. it's really cool. Exactly. Like, no, yeah. no, I don't. Oh man, that's great. Well, let's talk about the vision behind this thing a little more, because the reason I think it's so cool, Houndsman XP was formed for what you guys have accomplished here, you know, and that is expanding the media coverage, the narrative, the exposure that houndsmen get in mainstream hunting. And OSG's the biggest fish in the pond when it comes to outdoor publications. And you guys are leaning into hunting with hounds. Why? Why did you choose to do that? Um well I think we well, I think we chose to do it because it's something that we love to do mm -hmm. for number one. Uh, you know, it's, there's a, there's a commercial on TV right now that is, I don't know what the brand is for, but anyway, it's, I don't know a first responder that gives 80%. Well, I don't know a hound hunter who gives 80% really, you know, most, most houndsmen, houndswomen are 100% into uh, what they do. And as soon as I started talking to Brad and I mean, this was, oh my gosh, I don't know how many years ago, we start talking about hunting and it turns out that we both like dogs and he runs beagles and I have a hound for squirrels. And, and, you know, same way with Joe, when I met Joe, we're talking about, um, you know, how he's running lions and bears and, you know, I'm, 
at that time I had not done any big game hunting behind hounds and I'm like, man, tell me more about that. And eventually when you have enough of those conversations with enough people, you realize that there's enough interest out there that boy, we really ought to put together a book about this because we have an opportunity to bring in all kinds of different hunting experiences for all kinds of different game and around the world, really. Yes. Uh, we've got, you know, some leopard hunting in there um, and some, some other African conservation stuff in there. And it just, I mean, I think we were all in love with the, with the subject and we, we love putting magazines together and we decided to combine those two and, and, and get the book done. Yeah. Well, Brad, you're the one that said that it's been like 30, you've, you've had this thought in mind for like 30 years. What were you hoping to accomplish by, by having OSG publish a, I mean, it really is a, a coffee table piece. Well, just kind of build on what Adam said. This is not something that happened quickly. We had to fight for this and we fought for it. And we went back, to the, we went back again and again and again. First it was in passing. And then it was like, we had a plan and we were really, we were really going to push this. And, um, you know, the thing about hound hunters is there are a lot more of us than people realize we're just kind of scattered. There are lion hunters, there are bear hunters, there are rabbit hunters. And even those that don't have hounds right now have a story about it. So mm -hmm. you get all these people from all over the country with all this interest and you get them together. And th that's beneficial in two ways. Number one, we can all share stories. We can all learn from each other. We can all be part of this community together. But the other thing is hound hunting is on under fire all the time. More and more people are trying to stop it. They're trying to stop it all across this country. And we have to understand that there are no lifeboats coming. There is no rescue team coming. We are the ones who are going to have to save, if it, save hound hunting if anybody saves it. And the more collected we can be, the more united our force can be, the better it is. So the, the only real hope that we have is to stand together. And we, we wanted that to be an aspect of it, too, is we're going to help do everything we can to unite the hound community, to share stories with each other, to be to be to to understand what each other do but also to protect the heritage of the sport man that's well spoken right there you summed up four years of work of of this podcast in you know less than three minutes right there i guess we're done i, I guess we'll just quit producing podcasts now brad you're welcome <laughs> that, that's why brad uh wrote pretty much like the whole hound publication for us <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, it really, you, you are speaking my language right there. And we as houndsmen, um, we are reclusive and there's even division among houndsmen, you know, and, and there's a, there's a way too much tribalism within the hound hunting community. Uh, but we're even divided on whether or not we want the rest of the world to know what we're doing. There are people in the camp that think that that if we hide, maybe they won't notice it and we can hunt next season. And we're way beyond that. We're way beyond hiding. The, the anti-hunting crowd knows we are here and they have got their sights set on what we do every day. And um, I was just talking to Dan Gates from uh colorado he works a lot on wildlife issues out there and i mean that we're just we're now we're gearing up for the fight that's going to come to colorado next year so we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about that part 
But I think uh, one thing that you said, Brad, that I want to ask the crowd collectively here is I, while it's important that we give this sign of unity, how important is it that an organization like Peterson steps up and puts their seal of approval on this when there are even other hunters out there that would like that that would sacrifice hound hunting so that we can deer hunt next year or we can do you know whatever joe what's your thoughts yeah chris i mean that's a that's a really good point and i think it's very important that you know pub, uh, publicly like we come out and we say that we're for this and peterson's like we always say our job is to educate and entertain right we want to put out information to folks that is going to first and foremost educate them on a pursuit educate them on different styles of hunting help them become more successful but also entertain them at the same time and when we talk about educating there's a big disconnect in our culture especially towards hound hunting people just don't know about it because right. as we were saying earlier we're we're a pretty quiet reserved crowd and there's a lot of folks that believe that if we stay quiet if we hide no one's going to bug us but like you were saying, the target is on hound hunting. It's on hound hunters because it's it's a very easy subsect of our of our hunting culture to attack. And by coming out, by producing a publication to help educate people, it brings more folks into the corner. I mean, mm -hmm. lots of people think it's not fair, you know, to go chase a mountain lion with hound dogs. But when you look at the conservation aspects of it all, you you start to understand that, oh, this is actually really beneficial for, for lions, for the entire ecosystem that these lions are living in. So you can start to understand why there's a purpose for it. And th that's one of the biggest things and why it's such a passion for me, because, you know, I, I really want to bring that message to people, to the hunters that oppose hound hunting, who think that we're just out there cheating, basically, to your, your non-hunting public who has no idea what to think, but just get told that it's evil from anti-hunting culture. And I, I think that's one of our, our biggest benefits of producing this publication. Uh, one of the things that we lean into heavy is the, the theme of this is fair chase. I close out every podcast with that tagline. This is fair chase, because we have, we have gotten to the point where even some uh, the most recognized organizations uh, in the world for wildlife conservation have stuck their arm out and are holding houndsmen at arm's length because they don't want them too close to to hunting because they they don't know how to define what we do, how we do it. They don't know how to justify it. But but even hunters, the houndsmen, the biggest the biggest uh, hurdle that we have is being able to explain why it's fair chase, why it's important to wildlife management, why it's, you know, and, and so that's houndsman. And then for a major publication to come out and jump in that fight and say that, Hey, this is something to showcase. There is value here. It's valuable for wildlife management. I mean, it's it, if every houndsman is not excited about the fact that Peterson's hunting and OSG and game and fish you know all the conglomerates have jumped behind this thing and said let's do something on hounds i mean that is a huge major win for houndsmen because you reach people that our traditional publications are not going to reach 
you know, your average deer hunter is not going to pick up a hound publication and read it, but they, they will see your seal of approval on it and say, Hey, OSG's putting their, their name on this. Maybe I'll pick it up. I need to change anyway. I I need a, a different piece to read. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Chris. Like, you know, people aren't just going to go pick up a, a hound publication per se, if they're a deer hunter, your average deer hunter isn't going to do that because it's not, it, it's just not in their, their repertoire, you know, it's not something that they do. So having a, a name behind it, that's trusted like game and fish or, or Peterson's hunting, um, it, it definitely will help. And it'll, you know, give people like an idea, like, Hey, I trust these guys on, on this aspect of hunting. Like, why don't I see what they're saying about this? Yes. Adam, why don't you run down the the magazines that are in, and just an overview of the magazines that are included in uh, OSG. Oh, we've got we've got a bunch of titles. Um, besides Game and Fish and Peterson's Hunting, we've got uh, Guns and Ammo. We've got Wildfowl. We've got Fly Fisherman. We've got In Fisherman. We've got Florida Sportsman. Uh, let's see some big ones that i'm that i'm leaving out there you put me on the spot um is there a bow hunter magazine there's there's peterson's bow hunting there's bow hunter um there is oh there's just a bunch you know um and and i know i'm leaving some out there but we've got uh, you know a wide range of topics covered there enthusiast media if you will but again you know specific titles and we get even more specific when when we get into these special interest publications like hound um you know we've got crossbow publications we've got um uh tree publications there's uh, a bunch related to hunting out of tree saddles yeah right just a bunch yeah there's just tons of influence that you have in the hunting community and that's just why i wanted to bring it up you know all of these different places and joe you you said it man there's so many hunters out there that trust you with the message for their niche in the hunting community or fishing or whatever it is. And that's why it's so important. And that's why I think it's a reason for us as a hound hunting community to celebrate and go out and buy this issue of, of the magazine for sure. Well, and you know, Chris, the other thing too, I mean, we were talking about education and, and how some hunters don't, not only hunters, but how the general public doesn't don't really know a lot about, hound hunting and the thing about being um being quiet and keeping your head down is if you do that too much you become irrelevant and you know it's it's not yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna convince an anti-hunter that hound hunting is okay but you do need to convince and show your fellow hunters that hunting with hounds should be celebrated not only is it okay but it should be celebrated it's a method a legal method in many areas and there are folks who have grown up doing this and you need to convince the non-hunting public who are kind of on the fence that hound hunting is viable for conservation and it's a and it's a whole lot of fun and there's a lot of misconceptions out there that need to be addressed and the record needs to be set straight and we do that uh in hound you know on probably just about every page in this magazine for sure for sure. I was thumbing through it and there's all the articles that we have. You're showing a value for the, the anti-poaching hounds in Africa. We did a piece on that and some of the photos you use are actually the same photos that we used 
to promote the episode we did. So we're speaking the same language here for sure. So my, my question, um, the, the thing that keeps coming to mind is we've, we've always talked about the narrative and, and getting control of that narrative again, not only you're exactly right, Adam. I mean, we're never going to convince HSUS that it's okay for us to hunt with hounds. Um, but we, we have to stop letting them write the narrative for us. And that's what happens when we don't come out and we don't educate and we don't show the public who we are. We don't, I, it drives me crazy when I see another person who identifies themselves as a hunter on other places on social media, but they'll see a post about hunting with hounds, say it's a black bear and they'll say, well, that's too easy. It's not fair chase, or, you know, it's, it's not fair for the animal. It's like, come on, dude. You know, are you trying to tell me that shooting a bear from 700 yards away, uh, you know, is more fair chase, you know, and I'm not, I'm not bashing that guy. I'm just saying, educate yourself. And that's what happens when we don't control the narrative about what hound hunting is. Even hunters will develop their own narrative or the wrong narrative about what we do. Well, we're, yeah, we're you, living you, in this culture, Chris. Sorry, Brad, I totally cut you off, but we're living. Yo, go ahead, this, bud. We're, we're living in this culture right now where people are just like super fast to jump to conclusions. You know, there's we have everything at our fingertips. And they see photos, they read somebody's opinion, they jump to their own conclusion on it. And then because they're not having a physical conversation with somebody, they have this like shield up in front of them. They think they're, they're empowered. An they're empowered. They could say whatever they want. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they're just like, oh yeah, I'm the best. I could say this on social media. My idea is obviously right. Why would I even listen to these guys? Right. Right. Brad, what were your thoughts? Well, the, the people that are saying that hound hunting is unethical and it's not fair chase and things like that are not the people that have been. People that go hound hunting are, are not the people who are saying that. And that's what we need to get out. That's the power of our message. The facts are on our side. Um, you know, th there's a park here in town and there's a lady. She's a nice old lady, but she goes out and she feeds these feral cats. And she dumps this cat food every day. And she can't wrap her mind around the fact that the the 40 feral cats that she's feeding just enough to keep them hungry and out in the field and killing songbirds and nesting birds and small game and things like that is a horrible horrible thing for conservation but if i told her that i'm a hound hunter then she's mad at me and so the, the facts and the truth are are on our side that we we are in the right on this from a conservation standpoint from an ethics standpoint uh, there's no question about it. And, and the way I introduce people to this is I said, because people are dog lovers, you know, that's the yep. one advantage that we have. People like dogs. They understand dogs. They appreciate dogs. I say, listen, I'll take you rabbit hunting. I said, don't pay attention. because they're, they're all afraid that, the, you know, they're going to watch rabbits get torn apart. I said, that's not how this works. I said, but I want you to go out and I want you to watch the dog. Just watch the dog. Okay. And I want you to watch the dog and tell me whether the dog looks like it's enjoying what it does or it's not enjoying what it does. And people get that when they see that they understand animal people, even people who are anti hunting will see a hound work and they suddenly understand, oh, I get why you do this. You know, I, 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 I this makes sense to me because I, they, for the first time, maybe in their whole lives, they get to see a dog that's not just laying on the couch or barking at the mailman or, you know, running around in the dog park. This is an animal that actually has a job. It knows its job and it loves its job and it's very passionate about its job. <laughs> and that is 
when people see that, then they understand, right? Yeah, no doubt, man. You kind of struck a nerve there with me about the dogs laying on the couch thing. I've got some couch potatoes here myself, but, um, you know, the, the whole, our whole culture has lost sight of the working dog concept. You know, it's like, oh, let's get a Jack Russell and it can be our house dog. And then they can't figure out why it's chewing the furniture up and tearing the screens down and, 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 you know, just wreaking havoc in their house and chewing up all their shoes. It's because that dog wasn't bred for that. You give him a job that he was bred to do. And he's a wonderful, mm -hmm. useful, viable, happy dog at that point. You know, it, it's just amazing that how far we've we've dropped off of the off the scale like that so you know one of the things we talk about a lot is you know in the in their terms of fair chase some of the oldest depictions of hunting known to man involve a man and a dog chasing a beast so when i hear someone say well hunting with hounds is not fair chase it's like Everything since about 10,000 years ago forward has been a development on hunting. And so if hunting with hounds is not fair chase, what are you actually saying about optics on rifles and tree stands and saddles and range finders and all this other stuff? You know, we're tapping into something that's historically documented from 10,000 years ago. So if that's not hunting with fair chase, you're shooting yourself in the foot by throwing me under the bus right yeah yeah i completely agree with you there chris i mean how can anybody argue that using a dog is not fair chase when they have a scope on their rifle that gives them the range and then has a holdover for their 740 yard shot on an animal they don't have to do anything beyond that you know what yeah. i mean like if we if we start attacking these traditional hunting practices something that's you know from basically the beginning of hunting that we know it you know there were there were dogs there when we start attacking that to say that's unfair for us to use like it's a really easy jump to be like hey well you know what it's uh it's not fair for you to use that rangefinder you know this this technology don't use that you know it's it's it is shooting ourselves in the foot for sure you know what app I use on my phone more than any other app besides the podcast app to listen to this here podcast? I use Onyx. Onyx Maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today. I use it all the time. When I was in New Mexico, I was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that I needed to learn. I flip open Onyx and just start studying, studying the map. When I'm riding trails, I put the tracking app on. It helps me get around in strange country. I could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page. You'll go right to Onyx Maps. And when you check out, enter the code HXP20 and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. Well, we've talked about a lot of the solutions here and some of the things that you guys have remedied, but I'd like to get your thoughts on how we've gotten here to this point 
uh, where we're having to justify what we do. And I want to ask you from your standpoint of experts in the field of outdoor media and just kind of get your impressions of why it has been such a struggle or it's become such a battleground in the anti-hunting world. Uh, so Brad, what are your thoughts? Well, I think we're, we've never had a generation in this country that's been more separated from nature. Uh, I was a high school biology teacher and you'd be shocked at how many kids never, we took them to the, wood, to the woods to do a lab. They'd never been in the woods. They were completely uncomfortable. And we have a lot of people that live in urban areas that don't see wild animals and they don't understand wild animals. They've never tracked anything. They've never, they don't know where their food comes from. They don't know how farms work. They don't know, they don't, we are, we have a generation that is so far removed from nature that, that is, that has, that have these loud voices that are saying we shouldn't do hound hunting. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't have farm. They have such a separation from the way that the natural world works. Food does not come from a grocery store. And that, that is a, that is a concept that seems very simple to most people, but there are people who just cannot wrap their mind around that. Um, and I, I think that's part of the issue is we have become, we have a, a, a generation of people who have never grown. They haven't been on a farm. They haven't hunted. They haven't produced their own food. They haven't, they don't have this connection with nature. They've never, you know, ask, ask people how many, how many times they've camped out or they've gone outside and just slept outside or, you know, how many times they just spend a half a day in the woods, things like that. We are, we have, allowed ourselves to become so separated from from how we, we have existed for tens of thousands of years that people don't have a clear picture anymore and that's part of the problem they don't understand how nature works they don't understand how conservation works they don't understand why this stuff is important adam what have you been your observations why and and we don't pull any punches on the podcast why do houndsmen struggle so much to get an effective message out there? Well, I, I don't, if we don't want to pull any punches, I don't think they're proactive enough to be honest with you, Chris. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to take your kids hunting. Your kids are going to hunt anyway, right? I mean, if they, it, most of the time, if you hunt, you know, your kids are going to be involved or at least they're going to, maybe they won't hunt, but they, they will understand what hunting is all about. But what right. about, what about the kids down the road? What about your neighbor's kids or your kids' friends? Now, those are the folks you need to be, be reaching out for and, and, and reaching out to. And I, and I may be preaching to the choir, and I don't mean to take on a holier-than-thou attitude. Um, honestly, I, I don't. I'm not trying to be that way. But I just think that if you believe in something as strongly as houndsmen believe, then they need to get that message out there and, and to more than just their inner circle. You know? Right. Um, we need to associate with non-hunters. Shoot, we need to associate with anti-hunters. And we need to listen to what they're saying so we know how to defend against those arguments. I'm not yes. saying that we need to agree with them, but we need to understand where they're coming from because they are as adamant about their points as we are about ours. So we need, you know, we need to understand that. But we also need to understand that there's a lot of non-hunters out there who are not educated about hound hunting they don't understand what hound hunting is and we need to show them or at least communicate to them in a way that they can understand why it's such a special method of hunting why it's such a viable method of hunting from a conservation standpoint uh, and 
and, and the history behind it and why it's important to us. So I think, uh, you know, I, as a group overall, houndsmen need to be more proactive in getting their message out there. Well, how do we do that effectively in a social media world? It's, it's just so hard to get that messaging right. And I actually have seen Facebook five years ago was a train wreck for houndsmen. I mean, it was just, it, it was, it, you saw, I'm, I'm not seeing the same types of stuff that were out there. There's, there's actually seemed like there was more of a, um, the awareness has gotten out there that there's certain things that you guys are in the publication business. You want to sell magazines. So you know how to put this stuff together. That's appealing and gets a message out there. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm want to bring to our audience is there's an effective way to get your message out there. And there's a very damaging way to get your message out there. So what are some of the pitfalls that we've seen or you've seen in that messaging from the publication standpoint? Pitfalls. Well, I mean, from a publication standpoint, we try to avoid those pitfalls. Um, one thing I'll tell you that we do well is we tell stories and, and we tell good narrative stories. We tell stories that are full of adventure. We tell stories that are full of details that other folks would like to experience. And, and that's what, that's the right way to go mm -hmm. about it, you know, to get someone hooked. You know, you don't need to be a hound hunter to enjoy a good story about hunting bears in, in Idaho, for example, or about hunting uh, mountain lions in, in Joe, where'd you call that one? Montana um, yeah. or, or hunting rabbits or appreciating the bond that, um, that, that man has with dog. You don't necessarily need to be a hound hunter to be able to appreciate that. You can still enjoy a good story. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm, I don't know, I kind of twisted the question around there and, and, and talked no, about that the was great. instead of the negatives, but, um, you know, on so I can take Adam, I can take care of the negative part. I'm not, I take care of all the negativity all the time. <laughs> I can get well, on the you, soapbox and start preaching it. And well, and you know, and, and in publications, you may not see so much of that negativity, but you'll see a lot of it on social media or not negativity, but the wrong way to go about doing things. I mean, people mm -hmm. get their, you know, they get their anger up so quickly anymore. I mean, we've all got, it seems like tempers have gotten the fuses have gotten so so much shorter oh yeah uh, everyone's ready to argue um and hey look you know we absolutely need to defend what we do but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to argue you know and 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 take a you know a, a personal or or such a negative uh approach to it um again you know understand where the other person's coming from so you can tailor your argument in in a way that that person would understand Mm-hmm. Joe, what's your take? Yeah, that last little bit there, Adam, I completely agree with that and been thinking about it while, while you were talking. Um, you know, everybody is so quick to to be the aggressor nowadays, you know, be on the offensive and, and jump out there, get their point of view out and, you know, not willing to listen. So in my opinion, our, our biggest pitfall with getting our message out there is, um, you know, being able to talk to people. And I actually had a good conversation with uh, Jim Shockey on my podcast uh, just a couple weeks ago. And he had just finished having a conversation with me. Uh, <laughs> with you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I had him one a few weeks ago too. What a great guy. I talk about a guy that can carry the message. Sorry to sorry to interrupt you. No, I completely agree. But it was just like you have to create dialogue, right? I mean, he was saying that, you know, how anti-hunting groups, you know, we all at the end of the day pretty much want the same thing. We want nature to be preserved, like we want healthy populations of wild animals. We just have different methods of of getting to that point. Right. And so so we need to have dialogue with them. We need to have conversations and we need to learn how to talk with them. And our our biggest pitfall as hunters, as houndsmen, as houndsmen, the people who are vocal, the ones who put stuff out there on social media a lot of times, put it out in a way that, you know, is like, I don't care if you think what I'm doing is wrong, you know, F you, you know, type of thing. You know, we we don't we don't want to do that. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to insult anybody here, but we just, we want to have the conversation, ex- explain it, tell the story, educate people, you know, put, put out content that, that is beneficial for, for everyone. Tell them why you're doing this. Blood, Brad Luttrell over at Go Wild, uh, he made a really good point. And this applies to all hunting. You know, if you just, if you're just posting pictures of the grip and grins and, you know, the kill shots and stuff like that, people don't have the context to understand that that is such a very small part of what we do as hunters. But when you can show the daily activities that go around, go into being a hunter and especially a houndsman, you know, showing the showcasing the, the pictures of the puppies being born, life stages your training stages you taking care of that dog all of that stuff you're telling that story and that personal connection to it that leads up to this bear or this you know the first tree they make or something like that people can relate to that they understand that but when we just try to define our lives in one shot one snapshot for instagram for you know a thousand likes people miss the point of what we do and why we do what we do. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Go for Brad? it, Adam. Oh, Adam, you have something? Well, I was just going to say, Chris, you, you just gave me an idea for a, for an article for the next uh, edition of Hound, and that's maybe a day in the life of a houndsman or a week in the life of a houndsman. And detail it, almost diary style, you know? Yeah. 4.45 a.m., get up, you know, and all the work that goes into just a day of having, uh, you know, a pack of hounds and whether whether you actually hunt that day or not, that work is still going to be there. And I think that's, you know, uh, some folks not involved with hound hunting, they miss that aspect. Yeah, the 4 a.m. wake up, you know, the first day you're in New Mexico bear hunting, that's easy. You You know, you've been looking forward to that one. The, the the third day after you've walked miles, that's a little bit tougher. And then you add in the the evenings when everybody else is back at the lodge telling their hunting stories and, and doing all that. And you're out here doctoring dogs' feet and you're feeding the hounds and you're maybe you're putting some staple. I had a dog that that got got some cuts on it this last time from this is probably from a fence, but you know, I'm stapling an ear and giving antibiotics and and all of that sort of stuff when and they're texting me saying dinner's ready, you know, and it's like, okay, I'll be there in a few minutes. But just telling that side of the story that they don't go to, I don't get to eat and I don't get to sit down until all these dogs are taken care of today. 
It's an awesome. It's an That's awesome right. story that we need to learn to tell. Yeah. Brad. Yes. So as a as a houndsman, um, you know, what are some of the things that that you have have experienced that have truly added value to your life, your hunting experience? You can add stories, you can add historical aspects to it. But what are some of the values that that you've learned from being a, a houndsman your whole life? Well, I will tell you what it what it has what has not been the most important thing to me, and that is killing animals. Um, that's part of it, like we talked about. But I, I think I killed like twelve rabbits last year, ran dogs probably two hundred and some days a year. I was out three hours last night in a cornfield running running rabbit hounds. Um, so it's not the killing. <laughs> Part of it and that's the that's the message that we need to to get out but for me what it has been is that that process of development where you are watching that dog come along you are there for everything you are thinking this isn't going to work and then all of a sudden one day it clicks you get to watch that hound work you get to watch that first trail you get to you know the, the first time you hear that dog's voice in a pack and you know that's not one of your old dogs that's the young dog that is just, I mean, it just gives me chills just to talk about that. Um, to see these dogs, to see how passionate they are, are, to see. And I used to competition hunt, and the competition part of it was fun too. But with the relationships with beagles, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the 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 uh, the relationships you build from that are are so um, they're, they're so enjoyable, and they go on for your whole life. And you know, you know. Joe got lucky. He went on a, a dinner date and he had a houndsman to talk to. But I go to a lot of those things where I can't talk to anybody about hounds because they're not <laughs> going to know. You know, they're 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 not going to know anything that I'm talking about, and their eyes will glaze over after a couple minutes. But you go to these events and you meet other hound hunters and you learn about bloodlines and you do all this stuff, and you, it becomes this big community. Um, and I'm really enjoying the fact that my kids are old enough now to go run rabbit hounds. So. Yeah, uh, I, my my daughter's never going to be a she's never going to carry a gun, I don't think. But she she'll leash a hound and go out in the field and she knows what the, when it's coming. She knows when the circle's coming and she's ready. She's waiting to see the rabbit. She's listening for checks and she's just, you know, it's just uh, the, the community of people that do this are actually wonderful people. We've been we've been torn apart by the media, but these are actually pretty wonderful people that, that you meet in this in this game. I agree, man. I've seen houndsmen rise to the occasion. <clears throat> you know, they're patriotic. I've seen them rise to the occasion multiple times for somebody in the community that has a sick kid. We raised millions of dollars it, over the over several years for places like St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Um, you know, and it's it is a wonderful community of people and I often I often talk about the fact that you know, I can pretty much take a cross country trip and I would never have to pay for a hotel room just from the people that I've met and yeah. shared experiences with and the mountains are in the woods chasing our hounds around, you know, and, and the invitations open for them here as well. So you're right. It is a wonderful community of people, but I, I got tickled about, uh, you know, you realizing that you have nobody to talk to. And it took me back to that 
meme where the guy's sitting in the chair with his frog leg chaps and his coon hunting light on. He says, when you realize there's nobody at the picnic to talk about hounds with, you know, right. sitting over there by himself. Joe, what was yeah, your? That's been my life at times. <laughs> Mine too. Mine too, man. I can relate. I can relate. Joe, what was it about? You know, you said that you, you know, you went on a dinner date and and uh, found your best friend, but but I've also seen those situations go bad. It's like it either goes really good and you hook somebody, or it goes so bad that people are like, "I am never doing that again." And you take you reserve those for those people at church that are that you really don't want to take, but you feel obligated to. So you take them to your real bad spots. Yeah, exactly. You garble them, right? You take them to the bad spot and make them have a terrible experience. So they never want to go again. Have them walk uphill for days. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I just loved the, uh, the dedication. Um, and, and you, you have to be so dedicated to it and you have to train these dogs. You have to be able to work with these dogs. Man, I just, I loved every second of it that first time I was out watching those dogs run, watching, you know, watching and learning how to read the GPS appropriately to see how these dogs were acting. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, never, never knowing where I was going to end up in the mountains, you know, you could get lucky and have a lion tree, you know, a mile from where you dump the box or a few hundred yards from where you dump the box, but you could get unlucky and go over the next four ridges on this track. You just, you absolutely never know. And, and I kind of put that in like, you know, the same, same areas when you go out hunting, you know, you never know if you're going to come across an elk in that first meadow you get to and, you know, have an easy pack out to the truck and you never know exactly. if you're going to have to go 20 miles in and call every friend, you know, to come help you get that thing out. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's no difference between them to me. And, but when you throw the dogs in there and have that aspect of the dogs and, and you know, everything you're doing is just this partnership you have with the hounds. It's just, it's special. It creates a bond that you, you can't break. I and, was thinking uh, friendships that you can't break. hundred percent, man. And I was, I was thinking about that, you know, that crossover there. Uh, we've, I've taken guys before that, that, uh, had never hound hunted, but they were accomplished hunters and, and deep down inside, I was wanting them to suffer a little bit. You know, I want them to, <laughs> I want them to understand that this isn't what you've always heard that it's going to be easy. And I've often, I've often asked hunters, okay, so you've never, you know, like deer hunting is huge in this area. So you've never, um, uh, sat in a tree stand for 15 minutes and killed a nice buck. You know, it just, sometimes yeah. things come together. Yeah. And sometimes then others, it's easy like that. And sometimes you sit out there in a stand for days and sit through rainstorms and cold and everything else and you never get the opportunity and hound hunting is no different it's no different yeah there's there's really no difference at all i actually uh i took my brother-in-law on a on a lion hunt when he came to visit uh, did you do you like your brother-in-law do you like your brother-in-law oh yeah he's he's a great great guy yeah i thought thought maybe it was one of those setup deals where it's like oh yeah i'll take you no, he's a great guy. He's just, he's not a hunter. He's not a hunter and he didn't understand it. And I was like, come on, like, we'll show you what it's all about. Yeah. And we got, got them all geared up. And, uh, it was one of those things when we were going out, it was like, I kind of want this to be, you know, a hard race, you know, something that's gonna, you know, really teach him what, <clears throat> excuse me, what it's all about. And, uh, 
we took him out. We had actually a really long run and he just tagged along, you know, knee deep snow. And he just kept pushing up the mountain at the end of the day. He was like, you know, it's not really my thing, but I understand what you're doing. Like I understand that dedication you have and that responsibility you have for the dogs. You know, you have this responsibility to that once they're out, once they're on that track and once they're treed, you have to get to them because they're doing their job and they're not going to stop doing their job. Right. It's a partnership for them too. They're doing that job for you. So you have to do your part on the back end. And he understood it. Like he was yeah. like, you know, it, it's not something I'm going to get into personally. Like, I don't want to go do it, but I love that you guys are doing it. Mission like accomplished right there. Yeah. I Mission love accomplished. I, I mean, that's sometimes that's the best we can hope for. You know, we just need people that aren't going to shoot holes in the boat. And exactly. Yeah. They just aren't going to be actively uh, active against us that have the understanding. And I love what you said about, you know, you have to go. And I've, I've tried in this business, you have to come up with the narrative. So when, when people say, you know, I don't have a choice whether or not I'm walking four canyons over to my house, you know, I've got to go. If I'm elk hunting, I can look at it. I can make that decision. Do I want to walk through the next drainage and see if there's a bull over there? You know, I know there are elk hunters and dedicated hunters out there that truly do not feel like they have a choice. I've got, I've got the time off from work. I I'm out here, I'm hunting and I am going to push myself over the next ridge to find a bull elk. I appreciate those guys, but for us, the choice has been made. You know, when that hound tops that ridge and you lose communication, with your tracker you're climbing that ridge to find out where they're at yep yep for sure yeah you, you have to once once you let the dogs go it's your responsibility to go wherever they go pretty much and get them back right right well adam what's your uh what you said that your your grandfather had coon hounds correct yeah yep and yeah he you, was just a rec <laughs> recreational honey he you know just on the uh uh, no, he was a farmer, so whenever he had some uh, a, few, a few free hours in the evenings or at night, he'd go. And on the weekends, they'd they'd run dogs too. But you know, he he wasn't uh, in the competition or anything like that. It was just something something you did back in the, the late seventies, early eighties. You know, in, in in central Pennsylvania, he wasn't the only guy. He had friends who ran dogs too. Um, there were but, a lot you know, of people running dogs back then. Yep, with the per, yep. fur prices high. Yep. 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 Yeah. He trapped too. So that, that had definitely had something to do with it, but he was just an overall general outdoorsman. He liked to do a little bit of everything. So, uh, he, he just had hounds and, and, uh, that, that was definitely my first exposure to it. It must've stuck with you. Cause you, you know, later in life. Oh, it did. Came back to you. Came back. Yeah. Came back to it. I mean, there's, you know, there's a, period of life where I, and you know some folks are fortunate and they have hounds their entire life and that's awesome but you know for for me in my experience there was a time there where i just you know a hound wasn't a viable uh or having hounds you know it just wasn't viable trying to right. go to school and build a career and start a family and whatnot and um or at least i couldn't make it work but then you know when you when you when you do enough hunting you start thinking about what you know what what, what do i really enjoy and what would i really like to do and that's when, you know, the hound thing kind of grabbed a hold of me again. I had friend too who 
started um, hunting squirrels with hounds in, in north central Pennsylvania, and, and he got me into it as well. And I'm like, man, this is just awesome. <laughs> this is yeah. this is it, you know. Um, I like to do a bunch of other hunting too, but um, when I can uh, in the fall and in the in the early winter, I I like to get Gus out there and tree some squirrels. Nice. And you take you take your brother-in-law to like the cutover briar patch. <laughs> yeah, I take my <laughs> I take my kids to the to, to, to my kids. <laughs> you know, they got to learn the value of hard work too. But that's no, exactly it, right, man. That's the cool thing, though. I mean, you know, we make we're, we're we're joking here, of course, but um, you know, hound hunting is it's a great family activity as well. I mean, you know, do, what kid doesn't like a dog? And to be able to to be able to um, teach your child that well, you've got to care for this dog and you've got to train this dog, and then the dog will do will you know will work for you and will and will give something back to you. It's you know a, it's a way to teach um, a way to teach a work ethic and a way to show them that reward comes with hard work, and it's all centered on a dog. I mean, what could be better than that? Oh man, what a story! I mean, we got a great story to tell. It's a great story to tell and a and valuable story to tell. We just got to figure out a, a great way to tell it. And you guys have done it with the, with the Hound publication. That's for sure. That's for sure. You know, one other thing too, Chris, we talked about, I know you guys, you guys work with Sportsman's Alliance quite a bit. Um, and that's, you know, we were talking about defending, um, defending our values and, and defending what we do in courts and against anti-hunters and in legislatures. And, and those guys do a great job of it. Um, and we've got a piece, you know, by Todd Adkins in there that just kind of lays that. out the challenges that hound hunters face. And, and look, and if it's a hound hunter that, that they already know, but now we've got, you know, a publication where someone can, can easily hand it off to their buddy and be like, look, this is what you're not a hound hunter, but this is what I have to fight against, you know, every day to keep, keep what I like to do alive and going and it's just a you know a way to help folks understand what we're up against folks who may not have been exposed to it or may not even realize what the issues are yeah yeah and we've done we just had naomi hirsch on a few weeks ago i went to colorado to the uh colorado trappers and predator hunters convention out there um of course naomi works for the sportsman's alliance but you know this is a shout out to maybe people that that listening to this podcast for the first time and and when you join us on patreon people wonder why we ask for patreon support when you join us on patreon at the 12 dollar level we're going to pay for your membership to the sportsman's alliance and and that means you're going to get all the benefits for the sportsman's alliance you're going to get four was it four publications is it quarterly advocate the advocate i think it's yep. a quarterly it is you're going to and it's going to put you on the front lines. You're going to see all that stuff, but the the main value to that is being informed and and being able to um, know what know what the antis are up to and knowing what's going on. The, their website is so in depth you can actually click on your home state and see any anti hunting bills that are on the docket. You know, just by going to their website and clicking on your home state, stay informed like that. And so it is a fight worth fighting. And it's I I don't think it's something that 
uh, we've already lost, you know, and I think there's too many houndsmen out there that, that are thinking, well, it's already over. We're just trying to hang on for a few more years. It's, it's not, it's not over until it's over and we're never going to quit. Never. No, and I mean, in some cases, it's, it's rolling in the in the right direction for the positive. I mean, look, Montana just had its first uh, bear, spring bear hound season here. What was it last year? I think it was. Or yeah, was it was it 2021. Two, two seasons 20, ago, yeah. yeah two, 20, two seasons tw ago. Passed in 21. 22 was the first year, and this was their second yep. year. Yep. Yep. So there's, you know, positive. <laughs> you know, it's not all negative. We, you know, we don't. We don't need to uh, get too down on ourselves because there is some positive stuff working out going yeah. on out there right now too. But Todd Ad Todd Adkins, that guy's that guy's sharp. I've had him on the podcast at least once. I need to have him on some more. But I love talking to Todd. I got a quick story to tell about Todd. So there was a bill that had been introduced in Kansas, and um, Kansas had the the bill stated that no animal could be hunted after sunset and it had something in there with an artificial light as well and so it was going to just if it was passed it was going to shut down coon hunting in the state of kansas and kansas is a strong hound state coon hunting state and so i got a hold of todd atkins i said hey have you seen this he had not actually seen it and within the hour he called me back and he said that bill's dead I said, what do you mean? Oh. He goes, he goes, I made a call to the so-and-so out there. And, and, um, I just want you to know that that, that bill's never going to come out of committee. So if you don't think that the sportsman's Alliance is connected and can get stuff done, that's a quick story to say that they can't, they got the people in place to do it. So I was thrilled to see that piece by Todd in the, in the publication. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brad, who'd you leopard hunt with in Africa? I didn't get a chance to read the piece yet, but I'm going to. Well, the the, the piece that we wrote for the article was actually, um, it was part of the Cabela's Family Foundation leopard collaring okay. going over there. And, you know, leopard's obviously a very hard animal to catch. You got to catch it with dogs. But I hunt with a guy by the name of uh, Coonrod Skeepers, and he is he hunts barefoot with a spear, and I don't think he owns a gun. What? And uh, and he he catches these leopards in a net uh, when they tranquil when the vet tranquilizes them. And there's a there's a great there's a great video on the 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 uh, Hard Truths of Conservation TV show with Dan Cabela where one of these leopards, a female leopard, she's fairly small. She comes out of the tree and this is all at night. This is completely in, under, under the cover of darkness. This female leopard comes out of a tree and she hits the net and she's still alive. And of course everybody scatters. And then she tries to run and Coonrod has to grab her by the tail and sort of hold on to her as the, as the sedative takes effect. So yeah, he's a, uh, he's a, he's a pretty serious, he's a pretty serious houndsman. What's this guy name? What's this guy's name again? Coonrod skeepers holy smoke yeah like Tarzan. Brad, can you can you explain why he uses a spear yeah uh so number one he doesn't want to get a dog hurt and you're working at night he doesn't want want to um be firing guns and he's traveling he's traveling with his hounds he's hunting and 
Zimbabwe and Mozambique and South Africa. And most, you know, it's hard enough to get a, a gun permit in one African country, let alone be able to cross a border with a gun. So <laughs> he's he's uh, he's just found that a that a, a, a short heavy spear were is as effective, um, and he's he's used it. It's not just for show. I mean, it you know. And when if we that were doesn't there, work, just grab him by the tail. Yeah, if that doesn't work, grab him by the tail. When we were there, the, the, <laughs> we were there. We there was another. There's a gentleman who was hunting leopards, and he hadn't made it to the tree yet. And the the leopard bailed, and it's pitch dark. You can't turn the lights on, and and uh, the hounds are chasing this leopard. And all this, if you're a houndsman, you know that sound when the when the hounds change direction, and you know that they're all the way. They're coming toward us. They're getting closer, and everybody had to grab a tree in the dark and hold really still. And the leopard came tearing through and the hounds came behind it but yeah it was it, it is it is as much an adventure as anything i have ever done in my life and i'm glad that i can sit here and talk about it and joke about it and i'm not in a hospital in south africa getting stitched up so oh my gosh yeah we we it's funny we're having this conversation we just uh earlier this yesterday as a matter of fact this won't be relevant when the podcast comes out but we just did a uh, segment with Gavin Lippius, who's a professional hunter and houndsman from, uh, he's from South Africa. And we had a big, long conversation. It's, we've talked to him multiple times on the podcast, but some of the stories he can tell about leopard hunting and some of his videos, I mean, we're not talking about beagles running a circle and you knowing that the rabbit's changing directions. This is, this is serious business leopards would like to grab a hold of you just as much as as uh get away sometimes yeah they're pretty angry they they spend most of their life pretty angry you put dogs on them and it's, <laughs> they get a whole lot angrier yeah yeah for sure well hey guys i really i just want to kind of sum the whole conversation up i think it was great message there um what you guys guys have done about you know, showcasing hounds and houndsmen using the OSG platform. I applaud you for it. Thank you so much for doing that and, and sticking with that. I really do appreciate it. And I think every houndsman out there that's listening to this should, should um, uh, appreciate it as well. So tell our audience and our listeners how they can find a copy of this uh, publication you guys put out. And I'm, I'm assuming that it took a lot of convincing on your part. You stated that, but whether or not there's a second edition of this is going to be based on how well it's received and, and, um, uh, circulation on this, on this piece. So I think this, this piece is definitely something that, that needs houndsman support. So somebody tell us where we can find it and how we can get a copy of this. Well, thanks for having us on Chris um, been a lot of fun talking to you. So if you want to find an issue, it's on newsstands right now, but of course that may not be relevant when this podcast is, is out. It's on sale until uh, November 13 on physical newsstands in, in the stores. But if you go to um, OSG's website, osgnewsstand.com, uh, you could get a copy there for longer time. So that's osgnewsstand.com. And I'm going to have you send me uh, send me that link, Adam, and I'm going to attach it in the show notes to this episode. And this episode will be out before it's off the newsstand. 
but I want people to be able to find this and uh, support OSG for having the having the courage and the vision, the three of you for pushing to get this to get this publication out there to tell our story as houndsmen. So thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy talking to you every time. Yeah, you too, man. Adam, you take care, buddy. Keep that thanks, keep Chris. that hound in the squirrel woods. <laughs> we will. Yeah, yeah. Brad, you and I are going to have to get together to chase some rabbits sometime with those beagles. I I don't have any beagles, but man, I love to hear a pack of beagles run. I'd be I'd be more than happy to come over and or you could come over here. We'll change the well, plates. We'll change your listen. plates on the truck when you come across the state line, so nobody knows you're from Ohio. And uh, listen, listen, Chris, I'm not hard to convince. <laughs> Even if I have to pull the plates off my truck to come run rabbit hounds, that's fine. You, you don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. And I just can't stress it enough, man. Support the people that are supporting you. This magazine that's been published by OSG is going to reach eyes and hands of people who uh, can help us secure the future of hound hunting in the United States and across the world, really. So, Support them, support OSG and pick up a copy of Hound. And I'll put, like I said, I'll put a link to the show notes or a link to that, that edition in the show notes. And uh, I'm sure they won't mind if you would go ahead and buy an actual annual subscription to one of OSG's magazines to help further support their cause over there. So until next time, thanks for tuning in to the Houndsman XP podcast. This is Fair Chase. <laughs>